Hello, my makers and mystics friends. It is hard to believe that we are already approaching the concluding episodes of season nine of the podcast. This has been such a rich and insightful time hearing from artists, therapists, and advocates for mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And quite honestly, even for all the ground that we've covered, there's still so much more we could discuss. I've recorded many more interviews on this subject than even the ones I've published on the podcast so far. There's just been such a huge interest to discuss this vast topic, and understandably so. Well, one thing I'm gonna do over the next few weeks is I'll be posting additional bonus episodes for you on our Patreon feed, as well as sharing a few of them here on the show. And I'm excited to share this bonus episode with you today because it highlights a particular angle on mental health in the artist that we haven't talked a lot about so far, and that's the bipolar disorder. In this episode, I speak with one of today's favorite mental health advocates, and this is Danny Parks. Danny Parks is a public speaker, an author, minister, and mentor of young adult girls. And in our conversation, She shares openly about her struggles with depression, suicide attempts, and the mental suffering she endured for over 10 years due to the incorrect treatment of her bipolar disorder. You'll be interested to hear how her faith, as well as creative practices, played a key role in her own journey toward mental health. So as always, thanks so much for listening to the show. This is my conversation on creativity and bipolar disorder with Danny Parks. Danny, thank you so much for joining me today on the Makers and Mystics podcast. What a treat it is to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. Absolutely. I mean, everything about your platform, I love. You know, you have the creative side, you have the different topics, especially the mental health. So I'm excited just to be on your platform. So thank you for inviting me. Well, I would love to know about your own background and some of your own personal story, if you don't mind sharing with us, like how you came into this this role of being an advocate for mental health and how that ties into your own story, your own faith practice, whatever you'd like to share, I'd love to know. Okay, so um, I started, my mental health journey started actually when I was in middle school. Um, I found myself, I had a friend who committed suicide and that had to be when I was in seventh grade. And from there, um, I believe I just started to spiral down, you know, just in grieving with her, um, for her. And it just, it lasted over the years. I became depressed. I also started to attempt suicide multiple times and it lasted into my young adulthood when I was in the military. So I used to be in the army as well. And when I was deployed, I had a complete breakdown. I mean, just lost touch with reality and everything. Um, Found myself in the hospital, um, got medevac back to Germany. That's where I was originally stationed. And from there, um, I have a background in psychology and counseling. And so when I saw the psychologist, the first thing he recommended was I be discharged with no treatment plan, no therapy, no medication, just nothing. And it kind of like, like I can be in my head, but when something doesn't sound right, I can snap out of it and be like, wait a minute. So that was one of those times it was like, wait a minute, 
you can't just discharge me without, I need help. That's the reason I'm here. So I kind of talked my way into my treatment plan, which consisted (laughs) of medication therapy, and then also going to therapy on an outpatient basis. So I did that, but just going through that experience, I was like, well, how many other soldiers like me are getting this type of treatment? People get stressed out. It's a normal part of life, but you may have career soldiers who are in my seat, who are in my seat getting discharged because they got stressed out. So luckily, you know, God's hands always in everything. So I happened to be talking in the meta in the office where the lady does all the orders and everything like that. And she was complaining that she was trying to get in contact with an office in Iraq. And I said, Oh, that's the office I work in. And she was like, really? And I told her yes. And so she cut orders for me to work in her office at launch stool, which was perfect because after that I made it my mission. Every time I had time, I would go up to the psych ward and I would talk to those soldiers about their options when it came to their mental health and their career. Most of them didn't know what their options were because they're just told, oh, we're going to discharge you. And like I said, these are career soldiers, 15, 20 years in the military. And if you're in any type of hostile environment, of course, you're going to get stressed out. So that's where my advocacy really started was with those soldiers. I'm curious to know what you've seen over the past couple of years since COVID, the pandemic, since pretty much the whole world kind of turned upside down. Have you seen an increase in mental health issues with the people that you work with? What has been your experience? Yes, definitely. I've seen an increase in the mental health issues, people coming out more and talking about it because when you are confined in the house like we were, you don't have an outlet. You can't go outside and play basketball or, you know, sit in a coffee shop and vent to your friend about your husband or anything. It's like, you're in it all Mm -hmm. the way, every Mm -hmm. single day, 24 hours. And so I start to see more people complaining about how displeased they were with their mental health state or their quality of life or their, you know, just in general, their home life and everything. So I saw a lot of that with the children. Of course, they weren't able to socialize like they used to. And so it's a whole, you're on social media all the time. You're seeing the things that people have, what you don't have. And then it starts to play on your mental, your mental health. So um, I saw a lot of that. And then coming out of it from just talking with the kids, it was just like they had to get used to being around their friends again you know it's almost Mm -hmm. like meeting a stranger again so it's like a restart yes it absolutely feels like a restart you know i know this past season has been such a disorienting experience for so many of us and so this process of reorienting back into the world is challenging and it's something that takes time definitely i mean even with myself i was working from home once i once the we were quarantined and then we were, you know, allowed back outside. <laughs> um, I was working from home and being that I have a mental health illness, I, I started to find myself, you know, a little bit depressed and, you know, just going through those symptoms. And I was like, hey, you know what? Even though I work from home, I don't have to do all of my work at home. 
Let me go sit in a coffee shop. Let me get around people because we got so used to those last few years of being in the house, you know, lounge clothes. Not, and, I've, <laughs> and I've heard a lot of people say, you know what? I purposely dress up so that I can get back into the normal flow of things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, things like that, I had to actually force myself to get back outside you know, around people. Yeah. And it was hard because I do have a social anxiety issue as oh, well, condition as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but I knew I couldn't stay in the house and just dwell in those, those feelings. I had to actually do something about it. Well, I'm going to take advantage of the fact that I've got a mental health advocate right here on my mm-hmm. podcast and like, I'm going to just put myself in the patient chair for a minute, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I do know that one of the things that you do is that you educate and empower leaders to mm-hmm. be more social and emotionally aware of themselves and those they lead. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. So I just found out in February that I had bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. um, but it was diagnosed in 2007 and I was never treated for it. So interesting. Wow. this entire time, I've always been in leadership positions. And what got me through it without being medicated was mindfulness. So, you know, just stopping and talking to yourself, really like, okay, is this situation? Okay, stop. What are you feeling right now, Danielle? You're feeling angry. Why are you angry? What about this situation causes anger in you? And then is it ra- is it really a rational this is it a rational thought like you may be angry because um, someone's breathing too hard we've all had those issues like man why are they breathing that loud like is it that serious <laughs> and with somebody who has like bipolar disorder that could really be like a trigger. And so, so I noticed, I was like, okay, certain situations I found myself in as a leader, I had to step back really quick, evaluate myself, evaluate the situation and see, okay, what's the appropriate reaction to this? I know how I want to react just naturally, but I can't react like that. So just being mindful of your behavior. Sometimes we react before we think, especially when you're in leadership position and you have so much on your plate. Um, sometimes we're very blunt, straight <laughs> to the point because you, I got to get this done. So listen, I need you to do this, you to do that. And you keep it moving. You don't stop to even hear somebody's opinion or their suggestion. You just tell them what to do and you keep on moving. And that's how I used to be as well. So just stepping back, evaluating yourself, and then also really taking time to read people's like behavior, their nonverbal actions and, and how they're carrying themselves. So um, one thing that I always say when you're asking somebody, you know, how our culture is, we don't, we never stop to really listen. So you ask somebody, oh, how are you doing? But you keep walking. Mm. And you don't stop to actually say, how are you doing today? And then give them the chance to actually respond as, oh, how are you doing? You just keep it moving. And so even in leadership, you have to stop and acknowledge that person and then acknowledge what they're saying. Even they say, oh, everything's okay. Okay, cool. You know, have a good day. And what I always suggest, especially with leaders, um, if someone, if you ask that question, 
make sure you have time to stop and listen and then not be too nosy or probing but if someone tells me anything other than good if they say oh i'm okay today i will say okay i got time for this what, well, <laughs> yeah. what's going on because okay what's going on and then they start to tell you more and that creates like a better communication avenue for you and your subordinates or for you and those that you lead so just being aware of yourself um, in that way, your emotions, and then also aware of those that you're leading as well. You mentioned at the beginning that you're also a minister as well as a mental health advocate. I'd be curious to know how your faith practice plays into this as well. You talked about mindfulness and mm -hmm. evaluating yourself. Are there some things related more to the spiritual side of things that play into your own process? Yeah, well, I honestly believe that, I mean, you can pray and go to therapy at the same time. You can pray and take medication at the same time. It all works together. We have to realize that everything that's been created was inspired by God. So your thoughts, your creativity, your art, even to the point of medical research. So like the doctors who create these or the researchers who create these medications to help with mental health. It's not that they just pulled this out their hat. You know, God had to give them that inspiration. So that's why I tell people, don't be so quick to, you know, shame people who are taking medication right. or not take it because you feel like it's going to interrupt with your religious practice because it's not um, going to therapy. You know, God has given these people the insight to help you. So that's how I see it. That's how I merge it all together. And also being realistic, you know, taking the word and making it practical and applicable for our life. So you have to work at it. When the scripture tells us to renew our minds, that's being mindful. That's, you know, every morning when you wake up, wake up with a good attitude, do things, meditate, read your scripture, you know, pray to whoever you pray to, but you're renewing your mind every single day. And that includes at night, you know, the word tells us, don't let, don't let the sun go down on anger. Why? Because that's going to fester. It's going to turn into resentment. Now you're walking. So it's like, we have to renew our mind every single day and then put that into action. So you can't just renew your mind. Oh, I'm gonna have a good day today. And then you get out of bed and stub your toe. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, you got two decisions here. You know, say ouch, cry a little bit, and then woosah and go and have your great day, or say ouch, woosah, say some other words, and go and have a bad day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I read this on one of your Instagram posts, but mm -hmm. you said that 46 million people around the world, including 2.8% of the US population have bipolar disorder. Bipolar disorder is a chronic condition and generally requires lifelong treatment. You know, for, for me as someone who works in with a lot of creatives and a lot of artists, mm -hmm. historically artists and creative people have been the ones that, uh, whether it's, it's perceived or reality, 
that tend to have more of the, of a bipolar issue. Mm-hmm. There's a, a great book called An Unquiet Mind mm-hmm. that uh, it's by Kay Redfield Jameson, and she talks about the artist temperament and bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to I don't want to make that a generalization uh, and, and put that on artists. I know some of that is just a stereotype that that should be broken as mm-hmm. well. But there is something about the creative temperament that we have really high highs and we have mm-hmm. really low lows. And there's, right. you know, learning how to balance that, to, 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 to walk through the highs and the lows is something that I'd really love to hear your insights on. Yeah. So with that, it is like um, I'm more of a bipolar one, which means that I tend to go into the mania that the manic, it, the mania part, which is one. And I can understand that her book, just as you were explaining it, because with bipolar one, we are always fast thinking, um, very productive reckless <laughs> um <laughs> we insomnia um and it's it is and we stay up there easily frustrated everything like that so when it comes to the creative part you can use all of that to your advantage so if you're a creative and you know okay i i feel like i'm going into this this mania right now How can I take these? And this is how I thought when I found out I was bipolar. I said, okay, how how can I take these symptoms and make it work for my good? You know, Mm -hmm. okay, so mania, I'm very productive. I'm fast thinking. So when I feel myself going there, let me do something productive. Let me do some more research because I know I'm going to be just learning, learning, learning really quick and processing it really quick. Um, And then for those who have bipolar two, which is more on the low side, extremely depressed. However, their work comes out, maybe they're an artist and they paint and their their art is very emotional, you know, and then they get that artist block because now they've come out of there. So it's like, okay, be mindful of where you're at and how can I use that, especially if I'm a creative, how can I use these things for my good? I know I don't want to get out of bed, but this is the, when I'm like this, I put out my best work. So just really leveraging those things. The last thing I wanted to make sure that we talk about is going to lean more into the spiritual side of things. And I know you also have some resources and some writings that lean more into that direction. And you have a book that you've written on the practice of fasting and how we can utilize fasting to align ourselves with God. And I'd love to hear you talk about that. In fact, you know, we've talked a lot about prayer and silence and solitude and worship and different practices on Makers and Mystics, but I don't know that we've talked about fasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people are like, nah, I don't want, I'm hungry. Right. <laughs> you know, but uh, <laughs> I but, like food too much. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You know, but tell us about your book and why the practice of fasting is beneficial. Okay. Yeah. So my book is called A Girlfriend's Guide to Breakthrough. Um, three keys for my girls. And so <laughs> I'm, I want to be like, if you pick my book up, then I am confident that you're a person who 
picks up a lot of other self-help books. So I get straight to the point. I don't drag it out. I have plenty of self-help books where I'm like, oh, I read this and other books. So I get straight to the point so we can get into the fasting. So the fasting, I recommend always 21 days. You can do whatever God leads you to do. Um, and I tell you the biblical way of fasting. So fasting is from food. It's not from social media. It's not from, you know, wearing makeup or anything. Biblically, fasting is from food. Um, and depending on your type of fast, it may be from water as well, like maybe a three day um, complete, you know, fast with nothing. So I go through the types of fast, the Daniel fast. Um, the different days that you can do as well. And then just what to what to do when you're fasting. Praying while you're fasting is so crucial. I know it sounds kind of cliche um, for anyone listening. I'm anyone listening who's ever done a corporate fast, you know, everybody in church fasting and you get to them temptation and people are like, oh just pray. And it sounds like cliche like, okay, I'm I'm praying but I'm hungry. I'm praying while I'm hungry. But <laughs> It does work fasting and praying. You know, Jesus told us you can only have certain powers with through fasting and praying. So if you are having expectations of reaching a, a particular goal, you need that strength and that boldness. And that type of power only comes from fasting and praying, especially when you want to make a strong impact on your audience or whoever God has placed in your, in your, on your path. So I go through that. Um, you can do a Daniel fast. You can do a no food fast, you know, whatever God leads you to, but, um, also fasting with expectations. Some people just fast just to fast. And then when it's over, it's like, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this? Ah, oh, fasting don't work. No, you need to <laughs> fast with expectations. So what is your expectation before you go into, this fasting, you know, God tells us if we ask, we will receive. So ask him whatever it is that you need and ask. And I always tell people, ask big, don't ask for like small things like, you know, God, you know, help me pay, you know, the mortgage this month. Mm -hmm. Like, how about every month? You mm -hmm. know, <laughs> you know, set me up for life, God. So, you know, asking, go meet, go big or go home. You know, ask the impossible because, of course, we serve a God who um, operates in the impossible and makes it possible. So fasting and praying is one thing that should be a part of our lives, you know, at least yes. once every quarter. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, Danny, tell everyone where we can find you. How can we connect with your work from here? Okay, yes, you can connect with me on Instagram at I am underscore Danny Parks. Um, it's the same on Twitter. I am Danny Parks, LinkedIn, Danny Parks, my website, I am Danny Parks.com. <laughs> and then on Facebook, Danny Parks Speaks, um, or you can search Danny Parks and my picture will pop up. And I'll put links to all these in the show notes of this episode as well. But thank you so much for joining me today on Makers and Mystics. This has been an absolutely incredible conversation. Yes, thank you. This was great. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This episode was produced by me, Stephen Roach, with music provided by Sean Williams. Be sure to see the show notes of this episode for links to Danny Parks and to join the Makers and Mystics Creative Collective. 
In closing, I promised Danny that I would be sure to mention that for anyone listening to the podcast who may be struggling with mental health issues, there is now a number you can call to get help, and it's simply 988. 988 is the 911 for mental health crisis, and it goes into effect July 16th, 2022. We'll see you again next week, my friends, and as always, keep creating. The world needs your art.